you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. The Around the NFL podcast sleeps in the soft fur of Andy Reid's stash. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Hi. Also joined by the queen of NFL Now. A lot of people are calling you that now. I don't know really? if you heard. Really? That's, that's a new thing? I haven't uh, heard it yet, Dan. That's weird. And also, um, you know, a great friend of the show, a regular hero herself, Colleen Wolf, the Wolf Woman. What's up? What's Colleen got to do to get into that little intro? You know what I mean? I know what you mean. Connie Fox. What does that mean? Well, like, you know, the Sizzler, uh, Mark Sessler, Chris Wesley, you know, just right off the top. She's all, she always looks a little I feel hurt. like she gave her special treatment, That's though. True. It's sort of the special guest at the end of the credits where they, you know, it's a big star. How about this? We'll use this show, um, you know, looking ahead to next show. Whoever... Out of uh, Wes, Mark, and Greg has the worst performance, gets replaced by Colleen. Okay. Permanently. In the intro. Well, wait. Uh, why aren't you eligible to be replaced? <laughs> She's actually a host. Because, well, that gives me the <laughs> – wait, you don't think I'm a host? No, I'm saying she, she well, now, well, would all right, especially – replacing Mark. Well, that's week. outrageous. If you think I'm showing up to work on that day, that's – Good luck to you. <laughs> the best thing about Mark and why I love Mark is that that was a real reaction right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even though he brought up the total nonsense. <laughs> no, Mark, you'll be in the intro next week. Don't worry. Okay. That was all a joke. Uh, this is the Tuesday edition of the Around the NFL podcast. Uh, we are back as we start looking ahead toward uh, week 14 with one last glance at week 13, which will be uh, that uh, Monday night football classic. I'm just throwing around classic a lot, but this one I don't believe when I say that. The Cowboys and Redskins played um, at uh, in Landover on Monday night, a game that was uh, one of the worst football games in recent memory for 56 minutes of uh, regulation time. 
and then became uh, real exciting football. So we're going to get into talking about that. Do you not agree with that assessment, Greg? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it from front to back. Well, this really? is a Matt Castleite over here, though. So yeah, but you are, and this is a, this is a compliment, Greg. You love football to the point that. You know, you would rather you would watch like a, some CFL preseason game and be like, I love what no, I'm watching. Here. It's just the NFL. But you're right to a point. Well, it was close the whole time and it was tense. There were there were things going on. Trading field goals is really exciting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, Connie Fox with your Eagles leanings. Yeah, we'll get to that as well. Our Philadelphia background, a uh, big, uh, big game for the Eagles, who somehow are still in the mix. So we'll get into that. Got some news to talk about. Uh, so we'll do the news as we always do. And uh, something Wes and I, Wes, you brought it up downstairs uh, before Thanksgiving. We talked about uh, the Dalton scale and, uh, you know, which, uh, Wes, what would you, how would you describe the Dalton scale again? Well, for the last two or three years, it's been quarterback purgatory. If you have a quarterback above Andy Dalton, you have a franchise quarterback. If your quarterback is below Andy Dalton, you need a quarterback. Right. Mm. So for years, Andy Dalton worked. Uh, famously, I don't have a great grasp on the Dalton scale in general, uh, <laughs> which makes this a messy exercise for the old Zeuser. But the Andy Dalton has emerged as a, a legitimate MVP candidate in 2015. So it is time to say goodbye to Andy Dalton wow. at, at the Dalton scale and find someone else to slide in as the new prime meridian. And that's what we're going to try to do. I'm not going to say we're going to do it. We're going to try to find that that quarterback today. We might have to come up with a new word for the Gabbert zone too. That's just oh, yeah, a little that's thought. Right. For Everything's the being torn down. We got to throw out the fork because that's a, that's a disaster. <laughs> we have to basically uh, tear this sucker down and rebuild. We're the Around the NFL podcast, rebuilding, renovating all sorts of stuff. <laughs> yeah, renovating is a nice way to say it. Uh, and finally, we'll uh, look ahead again, like I said, to Week 14, the Thursday night game. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings travel to uh, Arizona, Glendale, specifically to face the 10-2 and two Cardinals, the team of around the NFL, so we'll talk about that game. So all that coming up on the show, uh, but let us start with the uh, Monday night football game, uh, a game that, uh, I, ooh, there it is. Not as good as the primetime music, but it is what it is. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys stayed alive in the NFC East, a 19-16 win over the Washington Redskins, a game where uh, really 18 points scored in the first 58 and a half minutes, and then things went haywire. Uh, the teams had 17 points in those last 90 seconds. Uh, Deshaun Jackson muffs, uh, fumbles a kickoff return, or a terrible or was it a kickoff or a punt? Punt. 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 Uh, fumbles it after a terrible decision recovered by the Cowboys. They go ahead. Djax gets some redemption, ties the game with a touchdown on the ensuing drive, but then Dan Bailey bombs a 54-yarder. Uh, that was the difference. So the Cowboys win 19-16. After all this, Cowboys still in last place, but one game out in the NFC East with four to go. It is absolutely incredible, and uh, there is a three-way tie atop the division of five and seven. Uh, Chris Wessling, you wrote up uh, the piece on around the NFL last night. I know you are a, a vocal Washington Redskins supporter. This had to be that a disappointing, disappointing setback for the West. I am not a Redskins supporter. I just think the rest of the division is crap. So I always say give the Redskins a chance. Did you or did you not say that they would have no problem in this game? You, you assume you of course there I was assume. no chance that they were going to lose this, right? Well, yeah. I mean, it's the Cowboys. They stink. And yet they were – I thought it was – it's a bad sign for the Redskins. 
the Cowboys turned it over three times in the game, and yet still were the Redskins were stuck in this situation. Yeah, I mean, the, the Redskins can blame. I, I felt like Kirk Cousins got confused by all the stunts and blisses, and the offensive line was definitely confused early on by them. But special teams, when you lose, Dustin Hopkins misses a 43-yard field goal. You get the Deshaun Jackson gaff, and then on the last play, you let Lucky Whitehead return at 46 yards. So all you need is two short Matt Castle completions to put yourself in field goal range. It was a special teams meltdown. Are there any other type of Matt Castle completions? <laughs> <laughs> he had a couple He had a couple good ones. I mean, that one to Des Bryant was a big play. The one to Terrence Williams, he certainly had – yeah, as many good throws, if not more, than Kirk Cousins. I don't think it was about the quarterbacks. To me, it was about two teams that are the same. The Redskins are no better than the Cowboys. The Cowboys— Well, their record says they are. Yeah, they, but we know— we There watched, it is, Wes. It's sneaking out again. This well, that's because you, you, you kind of, you, all year you try to put the Redskins on the same level with the Cowboys, and the Redskins have been better the, all The year. Cowboys have lost you know six or seven games at the end. If they got a break or two, they'd have five or six wins. Oh, my point is none of these teams are good. They certainly didn't look like a mismatch between— to a team that's better last night. If anything, the Cowboys looked like the better team. You mentioned the special teams gaps, but the Cowboys did the same thing uh, on their kickoff to set up the Kirk Cousins field goal. I mean, the Kirk Cousins touchdown. Like, the whole thing was just a, a comedy of error. Colin, All I kept yes. thinking about when I was watching this game was it's such an NFC East game, especially in the beginning when they just kept trading field goals. And then Des Bryant, how angry he was <laughs> that he wasn't getting thrown the ball before that big completion. I think he had just, like, two incompletions until what was that, like the third or fourth quarter? Yeah, I watched the – I actually had a friend in from New Zealand, and I'm convinced we were Humble poisoned. Break. I think we were poisoned at a restaurant because I don't remember how the night ended, but <laughs> did not watch uh, any of this game until today. And I came in and I asked, you know, Wes and Dan and Patrick Claybon from NFL Network, how, what do I need to focus on here for this podcast? And they basically all said, just scrap the first 56 minutes of this thing. Watch the end. It's a great way to watch football when two teams like this are playing, the entire NFC East is a corpse and they need to reseed playoffs sooner yeah. than later. I think that would be a good idea that why should this, the winner of this division get a home game against a team like the Seahawks? Why not just seed by record? What's the problem with that? Who would, who would object to that? I mean, well, other sports nobody. are doing that. The correct? Panthers last year, I mean, when they went seven and nine. In? I guess there wouldn't just I guess, make a sixteen-team NFC. Then, well, you're guaranteed. I think because of the rivalry and the schedule, and also you're guaranteed. I'm not saying don't have them make the playoffs. I think that's fine that they make the playoffs. So that uh, so that's a big part of having a division. The winner still gets in, but why should they get rewarded with a home game for winning seven games? That's fair. Couldn't agree more. Anything, any other thoughts on this game, Colleen? Sean Lee, he looked really good in this game. He was all over the place, I thought. And to Marcus Lawrence. Yeah, yeah. They, had, they had the best two players, really, in this game. I mean, the Cowboys looked like the better team. McFadden loses two fumbles. Devin Street, they outgained them. They Not lost. Not by much. They lost. Yeah, I mean, it was it, two but, bad teams. Yeah, it was two bad teams. But they, they lost three fumbles. Greg, and we're tied all year bending over backwards to give the Cowboys credit. I, I don't think they're <laughs> a particularly good team, and they're going to lose this week, I believe, against Green Bay. And I love the and none of this will matter. NFC East Heat in this room. This is like a a bad division, but I will say, I mean, the Panthers what went seven and nine last year, got that home game, and then won a home game in the playoffs. So crazy things happen in the NFL, and if you really want to 
you know, really want to get drastic about it, you don't even want any of these teams in the playoffs at all. Forget about home game or road game because there's going to be, gonna be with that. a better team or a more exciting team that's going to be missing out when any four of these teams make it. I, no, I mean, look at what the Giants did that year when they got in as the wild card. By this time last beans. year, the Panthers had turned into a good team and were starting to kind of galvanize. Not by Nobody this time. They were 3-8-1. They were, they were eight, three eight eight one, one, but they were about to. But they were, yeah. You could see, if you're watching them play around this time last year, you could see their defense getting a lot faster. Well, it that is. would go against my argument. If Let's say if you win a division, but you have a losing record, you don't make the playoffs, and they put in the next best NFC team. That would, that would create a very exciting final week where – like the combinations of the scenarios would be outrageous because if a team gets to eight wins, then another team gets knocked out. <laughs> That'd like be good it, for you, Rosie. That would be that would be exciting. I'm always, I'm just surprised that the Redskins can't run the ball at all with Morris and Jones. Yeah, they got totally stuffed. It doesn't make sense to me. I'm seeing here that um, the Around the NFL podcast has made AwfulAnnouncing.com's top ten best sports podcasts of 2015 number eight. Nice. It's good. It's good. What an honor. Are you not satisfied? Dan? Well, well, ju- just competitive nature. You want to be higher up on the list. But at the same time, you know, thank the Academy. I I, I appreciate the gesture. I'd, I'd like to see who's ahead of us, and I think that we'll set our sights yeah, something on destroying called, them. Something called Talk is Jericho, starring a wrestler Chris Jericho, <laughs> is above us. So we got to listen to that, get some notes about what he's doing. And try sure. to- I think it's kind of a culture snob. Um Jericho is like a very popular guy within those, those that world, and he's a uh, you know charismatic. Guy. Okay, you listen that. to his podcast. No, I haven't yet. But Assignment I've heard, I've heard for Dan. Things. One of one of the things I've realized over the past couple of years, making the top ten lists every week, lists are overrated. Yeah, as long as you're on the list, you're fine. Okay. That's true. I like that. Um, hey, Sydney uh, Lacid behind the glass. How are you? Doing well. How good, are you? good, good. Uh, it's always good to see you. Oh, thank you. That's right. so nice of you to say. You're doing a real great job behind the glass. Thanks. That's Brandon, too. Moment. There he is, Brandon behind the glass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> laughing like Jimmy Haslam on that Thursday night game. <laughs> it's Buffalo a couple of years ago. Uh, let's do some news. Sure. This offense ain't mega. You know it. And keep joining football. There we go. Gary Barnage, he went straight into the office and said, listen, man, that's enough. It's not this Austin. That's crap. This Austin Davis stuff. Come on, it's trite, man. Get in there. Get get Johnny in there. Give him a chance, man. Where is this man from? It's mega. What? Is that a British person? <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to encourage. I just. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Gary Barnage. I'm a free agent after this year. You think I'm sticking around if you don't put Johnny football in the game? Is he Cockney? It's got like a little Californians to it too. Look, looking. Yeah, exactly. That's great. He he was born in Bowling Green, Kentucky, Dan. So. That's what That's the internet tells you. I have been to Bowling Green, Kentucky. <laughs> the truth is, is that he's from England. Let's do some news. Uh, let's start. Listen, this will be like a, a little uh, episode of Disgruntled Rushing Champs Club. Mm. And we'll Ooh. start Book with. Club. Saucy. Yeah, we'll start with Adrian Peterson, who is the best of the group. So we'll talk about. Adrian Peterson being unhappy, uh, the Seahawks obviously laid waste to Minnesota um, on Sunday, uh, a blowout win for the defending conference champs. And Adrian Peterson, maybe the Vikings would have had a better chance if he was the center of their game plan. He wasn't. Eight carries, 18 yards. I'm sure the fact that 
Minnesota fell behind by a bunch of points played into that, but still it's inexcusable, you would think. And also this is not the first time this has come up back in week one. Adrian Peterson uh, voiced his displeasure about not getting the ball enough. Uh, he had this to say about what happened on Sunday. You definitely want to be able to go out and establish the run and uh, let things feed off of that. You know, so the finish were eight carries. Um, you know, it, it's tough. They were just a better team. You know, they were more aggressive, played more physical, and, uh, you know, they outcoached us as well. Ooh, the famous outcoached line, Mark Sussler. Well, I got banged on this game because I picked Minnesota thinking, you know, it was a potential hero pick. I've, I've outsmarted all my uh, fellow analysts here. They'll be friends with the subreddit. Right. Well, no, not at all. And at this point, I'm not sure I'm picking the Vikings again because they have a tough schedule and their their chance to win these type of games was to unleash Adrian Peterson. And then what they did in this in this affair was an absolute head scratcher. He had 18 yards. That's the lowest of his career. You heard how frustrated he was. And like you said, it's not going to get any easier. The Cardinals, they have the number five run defense. The, he yeah. They never had a chance in this game. Right. And I don't think it was the coaching. It's just they got outclassed. Adrian Peterson, I know Greg was really impressed with the game before, and I heard a couple of people say he's running just as well as he did in his 2012 MVP season. He couldn't beat Cassius Marsh to the to the corner in last week's game. In 2012, that doesn't happen. I always think these he-didn't-get-the-ball-enough stuff gets overrated. He had 18 yards. He was terrible. It was every time they gave him the ball, he wasn't terrible, but the whole team was terrible. They were wildly inefficient. They didn't have a crazy run-to-pass ratio at all. Teddy Bridgewater only threw the ball 28 times. They only passed the 30 – they didn't get past the other 36-yard line once. So it's just Ugh. no one was advancing the ball at all. Well, when their they, defense is so banged up, too. That was a big part right, of that, this game. That was, that was part of Porter it. Cordero Patterson had himself a nice day. Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> offense was so bad, though. They ran the ball 16 times and threw it 28. That's that's not crazy at all for it's a game where you got blown out. It's bad, which begs the question, why don't they ever try to use Cordero Patterson more? Well, and why do they – it is a legitimate question. I know you want to move on, Dan. Why they don't build <laughs> the offense a little more around Bridgewater, that everything is in – Well, now he's seeing ghosts in the pocket. Is behind center, not in shotgun, and so it's all geared towards Adrian Peterson. Behind the curtain, Dan has been trying to I'm wa- Yeah, I'm watching d- steam He's come off furious. of Dan's hair. In other uh, <laughs> rushing leaders of the past news, uh, DeMarco Murray, according to a report from Ed Werder of ESPN, uh, DeMarco ex- addressed frustrations with his offensive role with Eagles owner Jeffrey Lurie during a team flight. Uh, Murray played just 14 snaps and had eight carries in the upset win over the Patriots. Pat Shermer, the team's offensive coordinator, had his press conference uh, or his press availability on Tuesday and evaded any questions about Murray and try to brush it off like it wasn't a big deal. But Wes, this is something that you've been uh, saying for weeks and weeks. There's a reason why the Eagles might be getting smart to this and going in other directions, right? I looking back on it, I think this is the worst free agent signing in the offseason. It has sabotaged their team because you are now loyal to a player who hasn't earned it. He hasn't earned it with the Philadelphia Eagles. He hasn't learned it in the locker room. All other running backs have averaged nearly five yards per carry. DeMarco Murray has averaged 3.5. And every time I watch him, looks like the slowest running back in the league. But at the rate of Chip Kelly is going, is any player going to earn it based on the fact that he just keeps bringing in all of these new pieces and letting pieces go? So how is anybody mm-hmm. ever going to earn Anything. I think that's a fair question. It's not the way to build a successful NFL team. The way you build a successful NFL team is to draft and develop players. Five years, $40 million, $21 million guaranteed in March. I agree that, that, that it looks like a bad deal, but two words for you, Dwayne Bowe. 
<laughs> yeah, but the, the Browns were smart enough to bench him right off the bat. Right. They didn't feel well, beholden to that contract. Right. The Eagles did. Well, Kelly, moving forward, I don't think will feel beholden. I mean, he already wasn't in this game. Kenyon Barner, who fumbled the ball, is in the game at the biggest moment of the entire season for the Eagles. Darren Sproles had 35 snaps. DeMarco Murray had 14, and that was from the first quarter, you, quarter on. I think it was partly a matchup thing, but I think they decided they're going to have less Murray. Do you credit Chip Kelly with with realizing that Murray isn't the answer, or do you blame him for sabotaging your season? You could be in first place in the NFC East by a game or two if you started Ryan Matthews early in the blame. season. Blame. And they're going to get yeah. Matthews back, it looks like, so that'll be interesting to see if Murray's snaps go down even more. Uh, and finally, LaShawn McCoy, not complaining about his role, but he is a former rushing champion as well, and he really, really wants his Bills teammates to play hard this week, <laughs> harder than usual with the Eagles coming up on the schedule. Uh, the running back uh, made sure to let his Bills teammates know exactly how important Sunday's game is. Here's what Booby Dixon said. Love that there's a Booby Dixon in the league. Today he walked in the building full of juice, full of energy. Gross. Uh, he walked pretty much in a lot of guys' faces and just let us know he need us this week, so I can't wait, man. I'm excited. So, yeah, JD don't, wants to win. Don't play for the postseason. Play for personal vendettas. <laughs> Is this surprising? <laughs> Not at all. Everybody remember his party? Girls only? <laughs> oh, yeah. That I don't was think that went off, did it? La Radil sure Magnifico right there. La Radil Magnifico. Let's face it. You can't have a, a freaking party and only invite women that you don't know and have them show you that you have to You're submit. You're going to dress them, too. You dress them, when who knows what they're going to be dressed like, and you had to send in, like, a photo and I think, like, a blood it's test. It's a vetting process. It was a total yeah. vetting process. What, what kind of celebration is Shady going to do if he drops, like, 150 yards in Philadelphia on the Eagles? That's a great question. I look forward to it. And he's running well now. He kind of looks like He's playing great. You, you miss him. You miss having Shady in your life. Uh, I'm over everything. <laughs> wow. You, like Mark. you and Mark <laughs> should go on a walk in a meadow together. I mean, they're back in it with this Redskins loss here, the Eagles. Are we talking about the NFC? They, got a, they, got, a bat, no. they got a chance again. Craig, you are the champion of the worst division of our <laughs> lifetime. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's fair. All right, moving on. Uh, poof, this is a tough one to even get into. Uh, the St. Louis Rams uh, coach Jeff Fisher announced Monday that he is fired. Offensive coordinator Frank Signetti, uh, assistant head coach, offense uh, Rob Boris takes over for Signetti. Uh, Signetti has been overseeing a Rams offense that has regressed week by week, helped not at all by bad quarterbacks. I mean, uh, that's why the offense coordinator, in some t in some ways, I look at it like a hitting coach in baseball. It's like <laughs> you're banging this guy for not getting the offense to play, but you don't have a quarterback. It's beside the point. Frank Signetti. Not running the offense, still potentially a detective uh, or a private eye. If you read Mark's Heroes and Villains uh, column, he's been updating us all season long on Signetti. But as far as football goes, he's out of job. This is very sad news. How is the case with Regina uh, Francois? What's her name? Regina Jane Francois. I mean, I, I had to be honest because we've had a source inside the team that's given us Signetti tidbits all season. And they, I mean, I think this, you could see this move coming from a mile away because mm. they've been unhappy with him. But he has gone absolutely and completely dark since the firing. And no, and there's no inside team source on him at this point. No he, idea where he is. He's out of a job and off the case? I, I can't tell you anything more about it. I don't know where he is. I'll tell you something about Frank Signetti. Because we had to fire him. 
because he's the hero the NFL deserves, not the one it needs right now. So we'll fire him because he can take it. Because he's not a hero. He's a silent guardian, the watchful protector, the Dark Knight. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that puts it all in perspective. Yeah. The best part of that that is that um, you threw your paper. Yeah. For everybody listening, you threw the paper you were reading (laughs) off of, and it nearly hit Greg in the face. Oh, I'm sorry, Greg. Nearly did, but then it landed right next to you very... And I picked it up because I still need the paper, actually, put other things in the podcast. <laughs> so uh, he turns in his gun and badge, uh, uh, but and his maybe he's got something else going on. Now. I think so. Yeah, another another uh, person for Jeff Fisher to blame. Exactly. We talked about that on Sunday, by the way. It's oh, like, yeah. Hey, it's not Jeff Fisher's fault. He hasn't been a top 20 offense in points or yards for six seasons, that he hasn't had a top 10 offense since 2003. That he plays like nothing it's to do with Jeff Fisher every year. It's all Signetti, the guy he hired, racing to the podium on Sunday to bench <laughs> his quarterback. You know, uh, you it, heard Jeff Fisher say you can't blame anyone. Right, he's out of answers, and he and he said something right. like twelve touchdowns in twelve weeks or sixteen touchdowns in twelve weeks. You can't just win. You can't win like that. As if it's uh, and that's been Jeff Fisher football for a decade plus. So, good point, Jeff Fisher. In other news, quarterback news, Johnny Manziel. Uh, he was grounded, of course, by his parents uh, or the Cleveland Browns organization for a couple of weeks after his Austin uh, nightlife experience went public. Uh, that punishment is now over. He will start for the Cleveland Browns in week 14. Rap Sheet reported Monday uh, that he will be the starter against the Niners. Mike Pettin or the team then confirmed it on Tuesday uh, after kind of playing coy uh, throughout Monday after the news had gotten out. So, uh, you know, here we are, uh, guys. Johnny Manziel, he gets, unless he messes up again or gets hurt, four games now to show us if he can play a little bit. Uh, a little too late, too late, if you ask me, Colleen. But, you know, now he's going to start. He should be starting. There's nothing else to play for in Cleveland. Well, I mean, from the beginning, they shouldn't have started Austin Davis in that second game. I mean, what what's the point at this at this point, really? You're trying to see what you have in Johnny Manziel, but it's been so on and off and up and down that how can you really tell anything? I think Mark will tell you it's dysfunction in that organization. Yeah, and I think it's it's a clear sign that Pettin has lost one of many power struggles in that building, and this is the latest one. And it, I, you know, I think this was Pettin or this is Pettin wanting to go out, probably going to be gone after the season uh, on his own terms, and he and he can't do that because it's an organization that seems to be run on a committee-based, in a committee way, you know, with a bunch of people and too many voices. And you hear stuff that even the team president is involved in football decisions with no football pass, and he's sitting in and watching game tape with coaches. And it's ridiculous. I mean, there are some talented people in the building, but when you're not on the same page, this is what you get. This is exactly what happens when you have too many cooks in the kitchen, when you have people looking in and making decisions that shouldn't be making decisions. Well, his quote on Monday when they asked him, is the building unified? And I don't have it right in front of me, but he said not 100%. When when losses like this happen, uh, you know, people start having their own interests. I mean, to, to, the, to just say that and put that out there, and, it, and I respect him for being honest. He's just telling it like it is. You don't hear that from an NFL coach too often. Not at all, and especially when you hear that the problem's been going on for a lot longer than the past month, and Farmer and Pettin 
both always, at least vocally, talked about a unified front, and that is the first big crack in the armor where I think Pettin, his demeanor in all these press conferences is a defeated individual. I just think he can't. He has mm. no power. Uh, and finally, uh, some mo- some moves with people getting let go by their teams. The Seattle Seahawks have cut cornerback Carrie Williams, who signed a three-year, $18 million contract that included a $3.5 million bonus in the offseason, lost his starting job in Week 11 after getting picked on relentlessly across from Richard Sherman. So the Seahawks cut their losses there. And the Eagles part ways with uh, Miles Austin, the veteran receiver who uh, obviously, despite being a good locker room guy from what everyone says, there wasn't much left in the tank at all. I can't believe he lasted that long. Yeah. I mean, every time they tried to throw him the ball, he couldn't make the catch ever. It's like the number one part of the job description. Pretty much. I don't want to give the Seahawks too, much, guy. too much credit for having a bad signing, and they've had their their equal share of, of any other teams, but they do a great job of moving on from bad signings. Like the Patriots. They make a mistake, and they just cut the guy. They don't, they don't try to keep making it work. They bring in Deshaun Shedd, and Jeremy Lane's now playing, and they develop young guys, and they just say, well, we, we messed up. Let's move on. They should have known, though. The, all of these problems, <laughs> the same exact thing happened with the Eagles, and that's why they let him go. I mean, it, it, it's not like this was anything new with sconces. I wonder Sconces if it's a, is back on the market. <laughs> I wonder if it's like a little bit of hubris to think, well, we can fix what another team couldn't, but the Seahawks don't really strike me that way for the reason you just gave, that they're willing to admit their own mistakes. Did it with Harvin. Did it with Frank Clark, you could argue. Soon to do it with Jimmy Graham. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what's happening in the NFL. Uh, one thing I wanted to touch on uh, with you guys, just because it caught my eye this morning, one of my favorite uh, annual things to read on the Internet is the AV Club, one of my favorite websites, releases its least essential albums of the year, uh, this time of year, every year. And uh, Creed, uh, my favorite much maligned rock band. Well, I hate them, actually, but... They uh, recently released a three-CD, 40-song uh, release uh, retrospective <laughs> with three different versions of With Arms Wide Open, uh, their 2001 hit. Feels completely unnecessary. Because we need more Creed in our lives. Right. Uh, so who is it who listens to Creed? Uh, there there was this, this really ur- ugly time, and I was in college at the time, so I could tell you where. There wasn't a lot of good, like, rock music at all. You could say that today, too, but... Uh, there was either, you know, there was Limp Biscuit and Stained and, stained and that type of stuff. And then Creed emerged as, I guess, you know, this like uh, generic rock that some people like it was watered down Pearl Jam. And some people got into it. But then he quickly and Scott Stapp, the lead singer, revealed himself as a total bozo. And they their music is not aged. I thought they were just like a more religious Nickelback. Right. It's like if Nickelback a was a little too cool for you. Yeah. Here, here's some <laughs> Guys, <laughs> so they uh, got me thinking. I wanted I to go. Hate Nickelback. <laughs> yeah, they're I the hate everybody. Them. That's Detroit what all the Detroit does. Lions fans said on Thanksgiving too. <laughs> uh, let's go around the horn real quick uh, before we get into our Dalton scale uh, discussion. And uh, listen, check check your ego at the door here. Just be real with us. This is a safe space. Your most embarrassing uh, purchase uh, of an album. Um, I will. I'll start just to to show that I'm for real. Uh, I had some to choose from, I have to be honest. After a breakup, I perp- I purchased the 2003 uh, John Mayer album, Heavier Things. <laughs> mm. That was a weird move. Okay. Uh, Especially because w- you're pretty old at that point. <laughs> yeah, I was like 23. 
Uh, that, there was no excuse for that. I was going through some things in my life. Um, Billy Corgan's post smashing uh, pumpkins band, Zwan. That's not a, that embarrassing. Bought that album. Not sure. <laughs> sure, it's bad, did. but. I own the entire live uh, discography from 1993 through 2001. We have a winner. <laughs> That's it. We don't all have to keep going. <laughs> six records. That's it. And uh, the Garden State soundtrack I also purchased. I had that too. I had that. I I had that. I'm not embarrassed about that. It's not bad. So I'll go with live. Uh, you know, uh, and that will be my pick. Uh, let's go around the horn now. Mark Sessler, you go. Well, when you asked me this, you know, it was like the first thing that came to mind. I was like a huge, well, number one, I was an embarrassing person in high school on a lot of levels. But <laughs> I, whenever I liked a girl, instead of actually talking to her, because I grew up with just a brother and didn't really see women as anything but aliens at that age. Sure. Like I would go to town and make like gigantic mixtapes. And just drop it unsuspecting on this poor various <laughs> women, like like a, like a girl that you didn't even talk to, and all of a sudden have this like. Well, there was like there was like a vague interaction, and then suddenly like a three tape compendium. <laughs> I with had like a guy that did that tapes. to me, and you were, gave yeah. me and a you were creeped out, right? And it was weird. Yeah, it was yeah. weird. It was weird. I mean, you know, in some cases it went really well, in other cases it went really terrible. In this case, I was massively in love with this girl named Sarah. And I went out and bought the Pretty Woman soundtrack <laughs> because there were like two cuts off that album that I felt needed to be on this like three tape, two hundred and seventy minute long uh, release that I was putting and together. What was the song that you put on the mix? Well, two of them, but the one that is notable was the King of Wishful Thinking. Oh, I know. That one. <laughs> I remember that song. Is that by Roland somebody or No, I don't. It's not. It, it's just a collection of guys. That's like the Philip word. Ingram, Dory, that Holly. That's the that. Look it up on YouTube. That too. could it's not be more video. desperate. Putting that song on there. I that's will say this. The lyrics. Went to senior prom <laughs> with the, her. Went to senior prom with her. Worked out. By Go West. Wait, how old were you when you gave her the mix? I was in high school. It was embarrassing. Wait, this, but, this was like earlier. 17? This was earlier in high school. We would have 16. been like I, Again, I, I kicked this off by saying I was an embarrassing individual on many levels. So. All right, Wes, uh, you're up. Amazingly enough, the same year and the same soundtrack. Really? Yes. Wow. My brother had just got his license, my older brother, his driver's license, and he was like 16 or 17. He would drive us to school in his like 1979 Mustang and pop in. Roxette, it must have been love. No. That's so funny because no. that's the other song that I put on this mix. And we would jam out to Roxette on the way to school every single morning. I'm like, put in Roxette. That song always made me uncomfortable if I'd be like riding in the car with my aunt because it's like a song about like cheating on your husband. And I'd be like, wow, these adults are messed up people. Yeah. Well, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Pretty wow. Woman, sort of a messed up storyline if you think about it. Yeah, that's true. Colleen, uh, go ahead. So um, you told me that Jagged Little Pill didn't work, Alanis oh, Morissette, because be it's not really embarrassing. Um, so Papa Roach, I definitely had That's Papa Roach. Yeah. Papa Roach was in that Creed era. They were like almost a bridge between <laughs> Limp Bizkit Last and Resort, Creed. that was a song. So I would yeah. like, I had this terrible old Volvo, and I would be like, if I had a bad day at school, I would get in my Volvo, and then I would blast. This is my last resort. <laughs> yeah. Wait, and you I, went yeah. out and bought this at a store? I did. I I'm not that. one to point fingers. How about, the idea, I know. how about the idea that you get together and you crowdsource and you come up with the name Papa Roach? <laughs> nice job. Greg? I'm offended that you listed Garden State. I went to go look. I mean, it's the Shins, Nick Drake, 
Yeah. Simon and Garfunkel. That was a good soundtrack. Iron and Wine's cover of Such Great Heights. I like that soundtrack. Well, I'm listening to that right now. I love this shit. I'm, I've seen them in concert. I'm, I'm conflating the movie and the soundtrack. Okay. It's hard not to do because the yeah. movie, if we were talking, if this conversation was about movies, I would say that when I saw that when I was 24, yes. I thought it was profound. And then I watched it again six or seven years later and I hated myself. Th- that's the thing. You can't yes. detach the yeah. soundtrack from what the movie was. And I couldn't agree more. All right. Stop dodging the question. I'm going to go with... Uh, well, I had a couple options. Come Undone, the uh, like <laughs> kind of when Duran Duran made a yes. comebackish in the mid '90s. I got that. Mm. I like that. The Duran Duran comeback album. That was okay, the a guilty pleasure. And then I'm gonna go new- newer. I bought uh, Miley Cyrus's Bangers. Whoa! Wow. I have, Big and I'm not embarrassed about that. Is that the one with Wrecking Ball? It does have that. I really got it. You know it. what? Wrecking Ball's a good song. I, I got it. I, like it I got it really for <laughs> We Don't Stop. You know. I, I, that was I a like good that song. song. That's, Wait, that was, so you went out recently and bought an actual what? Well, on iTunes. Okay. I like on the iTunes. idea of Greg a few years ago. jogging uh, in Santa Monica so with Cyrus just ripping through his ears. And Bieber, probably. No. no. How could you not like that? That would image? be more embarrassing. Uh, good talk. Sydney, do you have anything? Um, I did have this an album that by 18s, which is like, they just did covers of ABBA songs. Oh, yeah, Dancing Queen. I remember yeah. that. <laughs> also, I owned, uh, I was a huge American Idol fan, and so I did have Clay Aiken's first album. I hope you didn't have a crush on Clay Aiken. Oh, gosh, no. Because that would be unrequited. No. Well, yes. <laughs> very true. Um, okay, that's pretty bad. And good. All right, good talk, guys. Let's, uh, let's head back to football now, and yes, yeah, so let's talk about the Dalton scale, and as Wes said at the top of the show, uh, this is an exercise where we attempt to find out who is the the quarterback, I think, correct me if I'm wrong because I don't understand the Dalton scale. This is the quarterback, the, the, the basically the worst quarterback you can have that you could still build around and have a tangible success in the NFL. Is that is that fair? I wouldn't even say that's fair because you, by definition, if you're in purgatory, you're not building towards anything. You're stuck. Oh, so you're that's the first guy on the other side. No, he's the prime meridian. He is the equator. Don't get and all he's the like, quarterbacks above him are franchise quarterbacks. If if you're below him, you need a new He's franchise. like the mythological river sticks that you have to cross okay. to get into mm, hell. That makes sense. <laughs> all right, there we go. Okay, so I'm starting to get a little bit. The one thing that we all know is that it is not fair and probably not accurate to call Andy Dalton that guy anymore. Even with that, you know, we're not to the playoffs yet. It would be good to see him do it in the playoffs. But he's shown enough. He's put enough tape out there that we need to move him out of that. He slides up the scale, right? Do you agree with that, Wes, by the way? I think when a guy's name is in the MVP conversation, he can no longer be the prime meridian of Yeah. Nice. All right. I like that. So it, it begs the question, maybe we could have a little bit of a discussion here, go around uh, who might be a better uh, guy to say you are purgatory for NFL quarterbacks. Uh, Colleen, why don't I start with you? Is there anybody that – Great. So yes. I, I was a little unclear on um, the Dalton scale. How about this? Just How about because I start You're not with the only Mark one. I have, a, I have one. Oh, you do? Okay, yeah. go ahead. So You're not alone on that, by the way. I went with Ryan Tannehill. Okay. They are sort of stuck with Hmm. him. And based on what we've seen from him, I mean, he had the year last year that he got better and his numbers went up and it seemed like him and Bill Lazor were a good fit. But now we see that that's not the case. So maybe he is the new Dalton. That was going to be mine. So I'm with you. I'm glad I like like Dalton. He goes up and down a little bit. Right. Dalton used to. So the line, that's what's always confused, Dan, that the line can move. 
Well, that's one of the things that do. But, yes, I think – but if I think about Tannehill like somebody you can't quite make sense of and you wouldn't be ready – tell me if this is what the Dalton scale is. It's somebody that you you can't throw back into the sea because you don't want to potentially get banged down the road. But at the same time, you have serious doubts that he his upside will take you to a higher place. Well, I think one of the things with Dalton was that he – until this year, it seemed like he never developed from his rookie year, and I feel the same way about Tannehill. Mm. All right, so let's put Ryan Tannehill as a nominee. Uh, Wes, why don't you throw one out there? I'll go with the original Steelers wheel of quarterbacks stuck in the middle with you, Jay Cutler. Mm. He's always stuck in the middle no matter where he's at. He feels he gets, kind by Wes a little bit. He gets, he gets general managers and coaches fired. We know who he is. The Bears begged people to take him off their hands last year. Nobody wanted him because he, he can't get paid like a franchise quarterback. He's not good enough for that, and he's not the answer. He's shown that in two different stops with several different coaching staffs. I, I agree with all that. He's too flashy for me for, for the Dalton scale. Although all of that makes sense, it, he really is that sort it's of middle. It's the flash that buries him because that's what goads – that's what – pulls everyone in and believes in him, and then he just lets you down. So it's kind of like a different sort of Dalton scale. Oh, now think. it's getting even no, more I'm, confusing. Yeah, I mean, no, no, I'm not saying a different sort. It's like when you choose an actor that's a totally different type of Batman, but it, it still makes sense. Like, people have a lot of opinions on Cutler. I feel like you need somebody who's just sort of, like, middling. Like You need some vanilla. consensus. Yeah. yeah. Greg, how about you? Well, I've got the obvious choice. It's Alex Smith. I mean, what, that what, works. what defines middle of the road? Not going to beat you like this is what Andy Reid said about Alex Smith when they brought him to Kansas City quarterback is not going to be the position that is the reason we're not good that in which is that's Alex Smith it's like okay he's just going to be there it's not going to kill us but there's very little upside you know that's that's almost like if you go to karaoke and you see you flash by the page that has white snake on it here I go and you're like well, it's kind of like played out, but I know if if I do it, everyone will love it and sing along to the song. You almost don't want Alex Smith is so, so obvious, and he's such the middle guy that you overlook him in a way. Is that what the Dalton scale is? Yes, is I it think White Snake. I think it's just being in the middle. I I just went to look at my quarterback index from last week. He happens to be number sixteen right now, right in the middle. All right, so we got Ryan Tannehill, which uh, is uh, Colleen and I both agree. Jay Cutler, nominated by Chris Wessling. Alex Smith by Greg Rosenthal. Now I throw it to Mark Sessler. I was thinking Alex Smith, too. I think it's the perfect. I think he's the original Dalton scale, even more so than Dalton, to be honest. Because what the reason I would just blow the whole thing up, I think it was a very creative concept and idea, and it worked. <laughs> but I would blow it up because I think it can't be applied. Alex Smith, we know who he is. And, and, yes, he statistically has done some unusually good stuff, so that's fine. But he's safe. He's just a safe but unspectacular quarterback. I don't ever want to tag a young quarterback with it ever again because although Dalton looked like a guy that hit his ceiling the minute he came in the league, we were wrong. He changed. And so you got to pick someone that's not going to suddenly a year later change. So it has to be an older quarterback if you're going to do this at all. But I would, I would deep six it because I think Dalton blew it up, and he stuck it in our face. So you're saying Andy Dalton, by his, his rise from – uh, relative mediocrity to being a top-level quarterback renders the entire exercise meaningless. In an, uh, in, 
in honor of Andy Dalton, I would say it is over. I think if you fear interesting, if you fear change or fear getting something wrong because of change, mm. you're probably covering the wrong sport because change happens. I don't not fear yeah, that. Get out of football. I'm not in fear NFL of getting it wrong. I just don't think that it was especially. It's a creative idea, but even in this own room, we were especially confused about what it meant. Now you weren't, but. I think that there was confusion about what it meant. And so you've got to go with a quarterback that makes it so simple and so clear. And Alex Smith is the only guy I can come up with that fits that, that definition at this point. We should put this to a vote. I think uh, Twitter recently installed this thing that allows you to have a poll. Yeah, there's polls. We should do a Twitter poll on the Around the NFL page with Tannehill, Cutler, and Alex Smith. That's going to what the listeners think. Yeah, I like that. I also – thought Kirk Cousins could someday be I was the Dalton scale, too. but I, I think it's too early, partly because of what Mark said. Let's give him a little time to see yeah. what he develops into. And he's just he, we just haven't seen enough. But I could see six years from now, Kirk Cousins is still – he's on his third team, but he's starting. He's kind of like in an Alex Smith type of career. Yeah. We'll see. How about – don't, I don't like all this. Let's wait a few years till it's obvious to everyone, and then we'll make it. No, I – I, well, I think Alex Smith is perfect, so uh, that's why. How about my boy Ryan Fitzpatrick? No. He's that's below. Oh, I was going to ask about Fitzpatrick because c- can it be a journeyman who goes from team to team? And he is the absolute definition of he's a patch and he's safe and he gets you. Or is he? He's more like the river sticks of backup versus a starter. There you go. He should. He's one of the 32 best quarterbacks, but he's he would be a – if you had a team and you were building a team, he'd be the perfect backup. Right. You, you wouldn't build I think you know you're not building your team around him. Where's Matt Ryan on the list? Well, He's getting closer sad. towards it. It's sad because I would still take Matt bad. Ryan over Andy Dalton if I'm building a team. I would too. I, I think he's well above uh, the line. I think you almost have to see – almost th- not throw the season out, but give him – See if they can do some yeah. things, put some better players around him, and see if he still struggles. Because I, I can write this off as just him having an off year. Well, let me ask you a question, Wes, and everyone else. Like, Let's say Andy Dalton next year duplicated to a high degree what he's done this year. Would you say that about Matt Ryan? Still? I would still like Matt Ryan because I'm taking all the data available to me, and I know what Matt Ryan has put on tape for five years, and I also know that Andy Dalton has far superior weapons Yeah, well, that part's true. Right yep. All right, so there we go. There's the nominees for the new uh, Dalton scale. Uh, congratulations, Andy. It is Ryan Tannehill, Jay Cutler, and Alex Smith. We'll, we'll put it to vote on the old uh, Twitter handle, at Around the NFL, uh, and you guys can let us know what you think. That takes us finally to Thursday Night Preview. Colleen, I know you need to do some NFL Now stuff. Do you want to oh, yeah. stick around, or do you want to – you know, we've got a few minutes left in the show. Um, I think I have to go. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's it. I would love to stay, <laughs> yes. but I can't. Colleen Wolf, uh, NFL Now, NFL Network, the Fantasy Live Show, uh, does great work there, and a weekly guest. Thank you for stopping yeah. by. Maybe next time I'll make it into the intro. And you know, Whoa. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> well, listen, that, like I said, I'm going to examine the tape and make a decision. I'm going to be fair about it. <laughs> okay. And But you will be in the show. It's just a matter of who well, like is gut, in the intro. Yeah, I mean, gut reaction who are you thinking you axe right now i need to like i said study the tape tape don't lie i don't like that answer all right all right colleen wolf bye everybody the wolf woman bye colleen connie fox many nicknames uh a real icon
Anyway, we move on now <laughs> to uh, Thursday Night Football. Let's start talking Week 14, Mark. Listen, this thing, uh, we're rolling forward now, buddy. Season's almost over. Not at all. What do you mean? It's going until, like, early February, and then, you know, you got to go to the Combine and the owners' meetings. It's a, it's a ball of fun. It can't be, it can't, I don't want it to end. <laughs> So the week, Did I save myself there? Uh, it was pretty good. Uh, week 14. Only three more Thursday night games, although we got a couple Saturday night games. Which I that t- was a big – By know. the way, I totally forgot about that when making the schedule, so watch out. <laughs> what? The two Saturday night games. <laughs> Heavens Does it help me that um, Saturday at 6 a.m. I will be – pumping out content for around the NFL. Well, it's not this Saturday, so uh, I know, I'm you lucked saying. out. It feels like I'll be okay with this. Question for you. If you are married to a, a wife who's annoyed by football at this stage in the season, is it a big selling point, and I've used this, only three more Monday night games? Listen, it's almost over. These weeknights are going to start to you open You don't up. even cover Monday night games. Well, I watch them. Oh, okay. I mean, Wes is getting very – Wes getting a little aggressive <laughs> well, over Well, you there. did say you were out last night, right? I mean, you can, You don't have to be locked in. You can certainly – you can watch it later or whatever, kind of half half watch it. <laughs> Who are these people? <laughs> Let's talk Thursday we just want, We want Simone to be happy, that's all. It, or, oh, I'm the only one that's had this conversation, apparently. Okay. We've all had the conversation. Right. Yeah. It doesn't stop. Mine, she just hates football in general. Season, no season. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of where my wife is. The University of Phoenix uh, Stadium, strange name, will play host to Thursday Night Football, the Vikings at Cardinals. And uh, this is, uh, uh, you know, a big game for the Vikings. It's a big test for the Vikings because they, uh, two of the last three weeks, they had NFC contenders come into their building and hand it to them. Uh, the Seahawks and Packers, the Seahawks embarrassed the Vikings. So you would think this is a fired-up team. On a short week now, they have to go to Arizona face the Cardinals, who have won uh, six straight games. They are 10-2. and two. They are the team of around the NFL. And uh, they look like they're playing as good as anybody in football. So I ask you, Wes, I'll get you going on this. Uh, the Vikings seem to be in a very tough spot. Uh, but at the same time, this is a team of talent. They got Adrian Peterson, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, not playing great, but he's he's a young quarterback with potential. Uh, they're going to give the Cardinals some trouble here on the road. Outside of the Thursday night factor, which you know a, a lot of strange things tend to happen on Thursday nights when you have a short week, I, I don't see this as a matchup of two even teams at all. The Cardinals allow 89 rushing yards per game, which is one more than the Seahawks allow, one more yard more. It's, a, it's another brutal matchup for a Vikings offense that is all Adrian Peterson, and it looks to me like Teddy Bridgewater starting to see ghosts in the pocket because mm. of bad pass protection all season long. The protection has been terrible. This, in theory, is one area where they wouldn't have to worry about the Cardinals as much as other teams because the Cardinals, if they have a weakness, it's in their front seven. They don't really have natural pass rushers. But last week... I mean, they sent some blitzes at the Vikings that they had no idea how to handle, and I think Arizona can get creative up front because they know the guys in the back end are going to have no problem covering Mike Wallace and Stephon Diggs one-on-one. I mean, you throw Patrick Peterson on one of them, you got Honey Badger out there. I mean, it's a tough matchup. If you look at the points allowed this season, these are two very even offenses. They have both given up exactly 232 points. But the Cardinals have scored a hundred 
and 44 more points this season. So that's the difference. I mean, that's a massive difference. It's not just that we kind of like the Cardinals. It's like that's a massive difference. Yeah, I mean, the Vikings also are coming into this at the wrong time with what the challenge is, trying to slow down an offense that outside of that Niners game has been scoring at an epic pace. You're banged up on defense, and you don't have the offense to keep up with it. And I picked the I picked the Vikings to beat the Packers, and I picked them to beat the Seahawks. I am not making this mistake again because this looks like a team that is the reverse of the Cardinals to me. You put them in a big matchup, they don't add up. They can they can beat these other teams and get the record they have, but the Cardinals have showed up to every single game all season. They're gonna they're gonna wax this team. They it seems what we've seen the last three weeks is that yes, the Vikings are one step below those top teams, and I'll I'll take a look at the schedule here because. You know, they're eight and three after the win over the Falcons in week twelve. They fell to eight and four. They can't take care of business against the Cardinals. They're eight and five. And then they have home Bears, home Giants at Packers. Um are the Vikings in a little bit of trouble if they l- lose on Thursday? I think they are, and they're banged up. I don't know what the status is of Linval Joseph, Harrison Smith, and Anthony Barr. That, this week. That's the key to the game for them being competitive. Yeah. Those and guys. look at the other side. The Cardinals are healthy now. A couple of weeks ago, John Brown and Michael Floyd were battling hamstring injuries. Now they get those guys back. J.J. Nelson emerges as a real deep threat. Cardinals are just loaded, and the Vikings, that's their three best defensive players, three Pro Bowl caliber players. And if those guys can't play, what chance do you have? And I think Palmer will really start – the MVP for Palmer talk in this game because he should just watch watching watch that performance against the Rams. I mean, he has seven or eight throws that are just terrific throws, and he should be right there with Brady and Cam. I personally think that it's just about even that it's a three team race, three guy race. I was going to and the that. final month matters. This and, is yeah. yeah the best MVP race I think since Peyton and AP uh, in 2012. But the fact that there's three guys and there's really no leader with Brady coming back to the pack a little bit with all these injuries, it could really go any way. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter, football analysts say Cam Newton is the MVP deal with it. That's a fact. And to me, sit back and enjoy it. It's a good three man race. Don't write it off in early December. Like it's over. Vote, voters yeah. always remember the last month anyway. So it's really about which the, which of those three guys has the best last month. I mean, if the Panthers go undefeated, He'll probably win it. Well, if if the vote was today, I think Cam would win it. Would win it. I mean, the Cardinals still have two primetime games. They flexed uh, one of their games in yesterday, so there's a lot of chances for Palmer on the it's, big stage to make a statement. I I think you guys are right, but yeah, if the Panthers go 16 and 0 and Newton plays well, there's no way he doesn't get it. I agree. It's just hard. I think that's just what's going to happen. I don't know if it'd be my personal take. We'd have go to 16 and 0. Are they? We'll get. We'll talk well, about that on Thursday. That's just that their great. schedule is not hard. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's go around, pick a winner and a score. Uh, by the way, uh, the Zeus are bottomed out at three and eleven a few weeks ago. Four straight or three straight first place finishes in the picks. It's getting a little tight, Wes. You getting nervous? No, no. You're getting right. a little nervous, <laughs> aren't you, Wes? I'm, I'm. I think I'm still closer to first place than you. Uh, yes, you are. Okay. I'm saying, but this is really not even between you and I. There's a sandwich wager on oh. the line between you and Mark. This is a little confusing about who will finish ahead in the standings, you or I. I think it's about a five-game difference. You're still in good shape, and I'm charging is all I'm saying. Go ahead, Mark. I picked the Vikings to lose by 25 points. Look at you. Turn it on the Vikings. 25 to nothing? Way. 35 to 10. Mm. Nice. Good, good math there. I like that. Wes. I'll go 38-13. Mm. Another blowout. 25 points there, too. 
uh, you know, I still think the Cardinals, you know, they let teams hang around, and the Vikings aren't bad, even though they're not playing too well. So I think this game will be a little closer, uh, but I think this is an Arizona victory. I think it's going to be 27-17. to 17. Yeah, I'm going to be hopeful that Joseph, Smith, and Barr do play because you know, maybe they even – you know, we're conservative knowing they had a short week last week. Who who knows? And so that they keep it somewhat interesting, 30 to 16, let's say. Adrian Peterson, unless this becomes a blowout, Peterson's getting 30 touches in this game. They're just going to hand it to him to keep him happy. Well, I think that may get sidetracked, though, you can, if you're down yeah. by, you know, 14 points at the end of, you know, halfway through the first quarter. Absolutely. All things that could happen. That is uh, that is the Tuesday show. Good work, everybody. Uh, Colleen doing great work and uh you know sydney doing great work and the boss everybody brandon wow yeah. i even did some great work brandon did his jimmy haslam laugh earlier in the show <laughs> i don't know if anybody ever knows what i'm talking about besides mark uh, do you guys remember oh, yes. the jimmy haslam yeah, yeah. laugh it's like skeletor yeah it was one of my favorite <laughs> things that have ever happened i believe it was like week three of the the 2014 season after a uh, game-winning touchdown throw by brian hoyer i believe they cut to the browns owner's booth and there's uh, Jimmy Haslam, the owner, and Joe Banner, who's, I guess, the president of football operations or something. Then. He was in charge of many things. Yeah, and uh, Haslam threw his head back and cackled. Well, and in true Browns fashion, it wasn't Hoyer because he had torn his ACL earlier <laughs> in the game. Right. It was Brandon Whedon back at quarterback. So what were you laughing about? Uh, that's fair. Anyway, so there we go. That's uh, Tuesday's edition of the Around the NFL podcast. We will be back late Thursday, as we always are. Uh, we will recap that Thursday night football game, uh, Wes and Greg, and then we, the whole team, will then preview all the Week 14 games uh, as we keep moving on and on and on. Until then, this is Dan Hansis signing off for Quiet Storm, the Mailman, Connie Fox, the Boss, and La Seed behind the glass. Down Thursday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603. 
562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 